It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome, my friends, to the Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. If you would like to be part of the program as we begin the July 4th weekend, 800-848-WABC is your number to call, 800 848 WABC 8489222. We have a lot of things to discuss as usual in the first hour on uh, this Saturday. And thankfully, as usual, he does this. He's up early. My friend, the columnist, the author, the broadcaster. The last guest host, the last new guest host that we ever tried out and and did the Rush Limbaugh program, the one and only Derek Hunter is with me. And Derek, we have had a week that is, uh, I, I the, the word historic is overused so much. Yeah. This is historic, that's historic, this is historic. Technically everything's historic. The second it happens, it's history. And if you care about that particular thing, it's it's historic. Supreme Court, these yeah. last four rulings, this to me has the, I, I don't know, let me just before I pontificate about where I believe this is, because I think one of them is particularly momentous, but I want to get your impressions or your thoughts about the Supreme Court rulings. The last four have, everything that happened before them, people are like, yeah, 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 whatever. But these last four rulings, we had two that dealt with religious issues in the United States. Of course, affirmative action, and people are worried about the consequences there. And then the case about free speech that does all, when I say two, this ties into religion as well. It's one of the ones that ties into religion and free speech. And uh, then Biden gets crushed on the student loan, comes right back and says, ah, screw that. I got another student loan program ready to go. So your take on all of it. Normally, you're right. It's right before a holiday weekend, so it's a long weekend, and it's kind of a slow news time. But it's just because the calendar, the last day of June is the last day of the Supreme Court session. It happens to fall on a Friday right before the holiday weekend. So everything came to a head this week. It was not a good week to be Joe Biden. Democrats uh, lost more than they won at the Supreme Court. It's kind of funny earlier in the week when the uh, decision came down about uh, redistricting, Democrats were exceedingly happy. Where the Supreme Court was, was right on, legitimate again for about 20 minutes. And then they started losing on other things, and they became illegitimate again. It's If you have situational ethics, you don't really have any ethics at all. If you have situational morals that are flexible and dependent upon the outcome, you don't really have any morals at all. And it just exposed Democrats for what they are. And so far as the other decisions go, it wasn't a good time to be Joe Biden. He overpromised and underdelivered on the uh, on the student loan forgiveness. What will be really interesting is if people look and see that Joe Biden knew this was the likely outcome. I mean, if you just go back in 2021 in a town hall with CNN, he said that uh, he was maybe ready to do 
student loan forgiveness of $10,000, but he wasn't going to do $50,000 because he wasn't sure he had the power with a pen to do $50,000. Like, well, it's the concept that's unconstitutional. He knew full well. It doesn't matter. Like, there's no caveat, no secret clause in the, the Constitution that says the president can wave a magic wand and make money disappear up to a certain dollar amount. After that, it's a little ridiculous. There's nothing in there about that. So if you believe that the concept is constitutional, then you can do something. He doesn't try to argue that the concept was constitutional. I think he was arguing that if he does a small enough amount, then maybe people won't complain as much. But he'll be challenged constitutionally if he goes on and does bigger things. So that... Uh, it will be interesting to see if he gets caught with some of the backsplatter for that. As far as the affirmative action case goes, MSNBC dragged out Al Sharpton to talk about them because there's no greater civil rights leader. Did you know that as a black person that he has been your duly elected leader of black people? Uh, it's kind of rude of NBC News to take such an important and storied civil rights leader and tie him down with a contract to just one network, thereby denying the American people access on every network of his genius. But he was out there on Morning Joe talking about how this is a horrible decision because it will mean fewer black and brown people going to school because of historical discrimination, et cetera, et cetera. And realistically, what I find disturbing, James, is why is it that the so-called civil rights leaders and all these progressive leftists all over MSNBC and CNN, they look at it and they say there's not enough people, they have to lower the bar in order to get enough of a certain type of person, a favored group, into various universities. And that's perfectly okay, lowering the bar. Never mind the fact that maybe people aren't qualified to go to those schools and would, would suffer, actually. They might suffer from a less academically rigorous school because the real problem isn't at the finish line at the entry to college. The real problem is the public schools that churn out kids that aren't ready for college. And you should, just like the left always talks about the school-to-prison pipeline, the school-to-prison pipeline, we've got to stop the school-to-prison pipeline. And their solution is not to look at the schools that's producing all these potential prisoners, kids who have no hope, and no skills and turn to a life of crime rather than aspiration and inspiration. Instead, they go, we need to shut down the prisons. Well, you don't plug the hole where the school-to-prison pipeline comes out and think you've addressed the problem. You're still producing kids who can't read, can't write, don't see a future because of really bad progressive politics and policies and politicians telling them they can't succeed. All you're doing is stopping up that thing and making sure that people who do then go on to commit crimes are not incarcerated, which is where people who commit crimes belong to be. Because the real solution to all of these things that Democrats whine about is to improve the education system. I want to jump in right there, Derek, because one of the things that was argued uh, afterwards was from Randy Weingarten. Yeah, of course. Okay, and she's another one just like Sharpton that does not ever get called out on the ridiculous things that she says. But inside one of the briefs that they submitted to the Supreme Court for this case, they said, and this is from 
the, the you know their union, the American Federation of Teachers. Their brief admits that colleges use racial preferences in order to increase the enrollment of minority students who are often less academically qualified because they've been trapped in rotten public schools. This is from an editorial today in the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) Our schools, quote, from kindergarten through 12 to higher education, still struggle to provide equitable opportunities for students of color. The National Education Association lamented in its own brief. But why is that? Why do these schools struggle? And this is what the Wall Street Journal is asking. Part, and they say, because the unions fight educational choice for minorities, they protect bad teachers in low-income schools from accountability. They point out that um, the former Los Angeles Unified School District Superintendent John D.C. testified in a lawsuit brought by minority students last decade that it can take 10 years Two hundred and fifty thousand to four hundred and fifty thousand dollars to fire one lousy teacher. Fewer than zero point zero zero two percent of teachers in California were dismissed for unprofessional conduct or poor performance. So teachers, bad teachers stay inside the system. And then it's estimated that in a single year a single year with a grossly ineffective teacher can cost the classroom of students $1.4 million in lifetime earnings. Less experienced teachers are more likely to be assigned to schools in lower-income neighborhoods. That's just part of the problem. I'm going to go further, Derek. All right. There is a story in the New York Times of a woman who says this, I teach at an elite college. Here's a look inside the racial gaming of admissions. She says one of her first jobs, and she thought it was a joke at first, was to make some applicants appear to be less Asian as they apply because the schools were admitting too many Asians. And they didn't want to have all these. What the hell is going on over there? Stupid cat. Derek's cat is. <laughs> just they have a bag, a plastic bag full of plastic bottles, and the damn thing. The kitten put his head through the handle. And I love it. Got stuck and was dragging it got... around like jaws in those barrels. So anyway, this this woman is telling the truth about what happens inside. They have to make students look less Asian because there are so many Asians that have applied in these colleges that, and this is part of the, where this lawsuit originated from, that they can't, they don't want the, the students that actually have merit because there are too many Asians. Too many of you Asians are smart. And we have to, we, we stand for diversity. We want to look a certain way, never mind dealing with merit. Which, well, by the, the way, there is a an... diversity, James. They want different colored, like-minded drones. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't include thought. They do not include thought at all in the concept of diversity. Now, this goes back to something I was saying earlier this week on on the on the show, on the Rush Hour show. 
there is an issue inside black communities, and it is not supposed to be talked about. And I talk about it. And that is the culture itself is corrupted in many cases, not all cases, of course. Black culture, depending on what you're talking about, can rich history, and but in other areas, you have this uh, underclass mentality that has been allowed to proliferate without any pushback from people like Sharpton I don't think or, it's been allowed the rest to proliferate. I think it has been fostered. You know, weeds, okay. dandelions right. grow in my lawn, but my tomato plants were not allowed to proliferate. I planted them and make sure that they grow. All right, so this is what has grown. Yeah. This 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 anti-American mentality that you are oppressed and you are hated in your own country, you have no stake in your country. What is allowed to have grown is that uh, uh, in, in a certain segment, and again, I am not trying to generalize for everybody black, I'm saying a certain segment of the culture, that if you do succeed, you're an Uncle Tom or something's wrong with you, if you speak English well, then you are you're, you're trying to be a whitey, or you're trying to uh, to uh, be something other than one quote unquote what a pure black is supposed to be. If you're a Republican, forget it. You're Uncle Tom. You're a traitor. You if you independently think different than the the normal mindset that's projected from the liberal left then you're really a traitor to your race instead of an independent thinker. Independent thinking is not rewarded, appreciated, or promoted. It is you either go along with this liberal group think or else you're a race traitor. And you see that all the time, by the way. If you look at the supposed black people that you're talking about on NBC, PMS, NBC, and all the rest of it, it is that you fall in line with this philosophy or else. You also have kids going to school that are behavior problems, but no one checks the behavior problems. I went when I was speaking into one of the public schools in New York to do a speech, and the kids were just ridiculously out of control. Nobody's stopping. It's like, why am I here? I'm not here to talk to a bunch of thugs, a bunch of hood rats where no one's paying attention. If you go to, this is one of the things that blew my mind, and, and I'll never forget this, Derek, and we'll go to a break, and then I want you to comment on the other side of it. Um, I remember Rush talking about an incident that happened near you, near Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C.'s public schools were among the worst in the nation. And they were spending more than almost any other school district. So they decided to have a, uh, a citywide parent-teacher conference. Citywide. Now, to accommodate parents' work schedules, they also had it catered. Look, we know that you're getting off work and and in some cases and going to come straight here so we'll have food for you, we'll have everything laid out. So that you because we want you to be comfortable. Every enticement you can think of to come and have a meeting about the, the your children, your children. Long story short, Derek. More members of the media showed up for this parent citywide parent teacher conference than did the parents of the kids going to the school system okay now i contrast that i used to visit a friend of mine who used to live in mount kisco in new york 
And I made the mistake one day of going up to visit when it was open school night. The entire police force was out. It looked to me. Of course, I'm sure it wasn't everybody on the but there was it would you would have thought it was morning rush hour traffic trying to get through town because almost every parent that had children in that school were out going to the schools in that neighborhood to see their children's uh, teachers and to talk about their children's achievement. That alone to me will tell you the difference in what's going on. You can't, you can complain all you want to about how oppressed you are, how miserable it is, how whitey did this to you and did that to you and how you need reparations for this and that. If you can't even have the energy to go visit your kid's school and get an honest assessment about your kid's education, then to me, it says it all. That's not what, how do you expect your kids to achieve if you as the parents are not pushing them or don't even have the least bit interest in checking their education? So all of this stuff, all this stuff that I hear from these teachers unions and from uh, Al Sharpton and from um, Michael uh, Eric Dyson, who Michael Dyson has said some things that I really want to explore if I have time. Um, he's, he's one of these, you know, intellectuals and, and, and sometimes I have to reread what he says three or four times before I think I understand it. He's saying that race itself is a merit, which I'm just like, what the? But anyway, if you don't have the basic wherewithal to get your ass out of the house and go to your kid's school and say, I need to find out what's happening with my kid in school, then don't talk to me about how oppressed you are. I will say before we go to a break that most of the chains of oppression you'll find if you look at them, if you logically disconnect emotionally from them, are self-placed in everybody. Everybody can feel like a victim. And really, ultimately, they are the result of various decisions. We can talk about the reasons for those decisions, but they're usually the results of decisions that the individuals have made. And it's weird. If you make bad decisions, you end up with bad outcomes. Oh, whoa. What a thought. If you make bad decisions, bad things happen. Wow. Today, July 1st, sad day in music history, 2005, Luther Vandross, died. One of the greatest singers of a generation. So we're going to celebrate today with some Luther throughout the day with other people, of course. A little tribute to Luther Vandross. This is his first single. That was a hit. Under his own name. That's Marcus Miller playing bass, and Marcus Miller produced this one.
the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Four tops on WABC. Also in 2005, same day. Then Luther Vandross went for his heavenly reward. Four top singer Ronaldo Obi Benson died at age 69 in a Detroit hospital. Of course, Four Tops, one of the Motown greats. From Derek, you grew up in Motown, right? I did. Been to the Motown Museum many times. Right there yeah. on West Grand Boulevard. You ever been to that? Yes, I have. I went to like, I, oh my God, this is just two houses put together from the bridge. And all this, stuff you know. I, I tell you what, Derek. The first time I went inside the into the studio where a lot of this was recorded, I had chills. It was still, I don't know. There was still like a vibe in the air. It was just you, you the the equipment is still there. You the, you it's an empty right. room. Well, it's a room filled with with uh, music uh, musical equipment, but all those pictures. It seemed, in the pictures, it seems gigantic. Just like when I worked in the Senate. The first time I set foot on the Senate floor, like, the Senate is gigantic. I've seen it on television. You go in there, and like, it's not that big. It's not that big. Um, the studio where all that stuff came out. I imagine it's the same with Abbey Road. You sort of grant it a size based on what came out of it and the magic that came out of it. And you go in there, and you're like, this This really was like a, a bedroom. <laughs> they, they put a piano and some microphones in. And you know, maybe the master bedroom is a little bit bigger, but it's not much bigger than a living room if you get down to it. And how did they fit everybody in here? They had some amazing musicians, and those those songs are not, you know, three, you know, guitar, bass, and drums. There's a lot of instrumentation in there, and they did it live. They did it live in the That's same That's right. Room. And then you get like, Aretha in there, who could seemingly rip the... How did the walls still stand after she's in there? It's, it's amazing. A, that, that place has such history. And they're doing something in uh, Detroit now, from what I understand. They are expanding that whole Motown uh, thing to to really uh, capture the history in a lot of different ways. I think that me, back in the day they owned a lot more houses. The houses around the museum have been torn down. There's just been a lot of decay in Detroit. And I think maybe they're buying up the, the vacant lots near them because it does, it does need more. They have too much history to fit in those small houses. Yeah, so supposedly they are doing something with that. Let me invite also, uh, while, you, while you're here, I want to invite those of you, and I understand this. I understand that there are a lot of people who are looking at this and thinking, oh, this is terrible. The affirmative action has been crushed down. There are news reports, uh, of course, of how this is going to bleed into other aspects of our society, that now uh, businesses will be looking at this ruling and adjusting their programs uh, for how they hire because they will be afraid of lawsuits based on the same premise of what has happened with this decision. And I understand that there are a lot of people who are looking at this saying, I, you guys are out of your minds. This is going to be harmful. This is going to be terrible. Well, I would ask and so those I'd like people to, it, why it is the concept of merit terrifies them. Just like the concept, because the problem isn't the end result. 
if you if you if merit scares you because there's no inherent difference between people and their skin color and their ability to learn their ability to achieve the problem comes in in the conditioning that people get in the education system they're told you can't get ahead they're told don't try look it's it's the system is rigged against you don't bother and then you look at a a Barack Obama, and you go, well, how did you escape the system? Neither one of your parents wanted anything to do with you. You're raised by grandparents, and yet you became president of the United States. How is that possible? They never want to answer that because their own personal stories undercut their arguments. Elizabeth Warren won't shut up about how the system is rigged against everybody and everything, yet she is a noble Native American growing up on an Indian reservation. Now, don't might want to fact-check me on that one, but... Uh, just to going by what she says. Um, she managed to achieve quite a bit in her life. They're both multi-multi-millionaires, and it's always these people who've done it who say it can't be done because the system is rigged, and you go, well, then how did you do it? Are you that special? And they believe that they're that special, but no, they also know that the key to their continued political success is to convince other people of this crap. So if you really care, you don't go, well, we need to lower the finish line. We need to figure out what the hell goes on along the course to make things different. You don't, in the case of admissions and affirmative action, if there's some kid, if you're racing against Usain Bolt, me, you, and Usain Bolt are, are racing uh, the 100-meter dash, he's going to kill us every single time. It doesn't matter. We don't get better by putting 200-pound weight vests on him. We get a little closer to, we, we lose by a little less, but we're not getting any faster, James. We only get faster through coaching, through practice, through exercise, through repetition. In the education system, if you drop the finish line and admission for college, you're not actually teaching people anything. You but Derek, what to... I want to do is also invite people that have a different point of view to call in, because there are different points of view out here. There are points of view that um, that the that look, and and I don't think this part can be denied. There are inherent. Uh, there are, look. I, I talk to people in Hollywood, for instance, mm. and they talk to me about this the problems that black creators still have getting their work done in Hollywood. Now, mm. I grant you that Hollywood's not run by a bunch of conservatives, so I can understand it. There are still people that have issues because they feel and because, I guess, because of the structure of these uh, certain industries and the way that people are treated, tech industry, where you see people that are even qualified in some cases who still have problems entering the system or doing well in a system. And I don't want to give that short shrift. I don't want to say that everything is rosy and all you have to do is work hard and you'll get everything because there are issues. I maintain that most of the issues that we have you will find because of liberals and progressives in charge of various industries. That's why we get the stereotypical view of black people that we do. Talking about Hollywood, the Hollywood and tech right there. They're not bastions of Right, Hollywood and tech. Right. So... I'm not going to say that, that there aren't any problems here, but I've always believed. And so I want to invite anybody that has an opposing view to please call in. And you will, we'll have a respectful discussion with you about your point of view. And I'm not going to pretend that everything's rosy here with this. But what I am going to say is that I think we may 
have an opportunity with these decisions to correct something. And that I want to transition, Derek, when we come back from the next break, into this next story about the other ruling, the story that came up, the ruling in Colorado Mm -hmm. about the LGBTQ and the web designer. So let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Derek Hunter is with me. 800-848-WABC is the number. And you are welcome to call. Uh, Ronaldo Obi Benson, who we talked about from the Four Tops, co-wrote this song with Marvin Gaye. You know the song. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurly with you here at Saturday morning. Have that cup of coffee with us. WABC Talk Radio 77, crown jewel of American radio. Glad you're here with us. WABC. Michael Jackson, 2009, one week after Michael Jackson died. Four albums from Michael Jackson dominated the Billboard charts. The essential Michael Jackson. Thriller, Off the Wall, and the Jackson 5 Ultimate Collection. Then you had others that were selling as well. The Dangerous Album, Greatest Hits, History, the Michael Jackson Ultimate Collection. so many inappropriate jokes I want to make that I'm going to let it slide. What do you say, Derek? I did. I, what was that? I said there's so many inappropriate jokes I want to make about that, but I'm going to let it slide. And I will say that about Luther Vandross, I be, the first thing I know Luther Vandross ever did, and it wasn't during my lifetime, but I, not, I remember this, but he, uh, he, collabor- he sang backup. He did backing vocals on Fame by David Bowie and John Lennon. Yeah, and then the first time I heard of Luther Vandross, believe it or not, was for a commercial that he did, and everyone wanted to know, who was this singer on this commercial? And it was for one of the news stations here in New York. How did he and, die? Uh, he didn't die that young, but he looked He young. had a long he illness. He died unexpectedly. Yeah, he had a long illness. He, um, but he kept he, it hidden. Yeah, two years. He had a stroke, and it was two years of lingering, sadly. I remember when I worked in a record store, it was, you know, not very often do men achieve the single name status of like a Cher or Madonna. And it might have been aided by the fact that there aren't a whole lot of Luthers running around. But the ladies would come in and ask for, where's Luther? We didn't work with a Luther. I knew what they were saying. It wasn't like Luther's in the back room stocking. No, they knew what they wanted. And uh, they wanted it from their men and they wanted it to Luther. 
I had lunch with him before he became a big star. Uh, one of my friends was a record promoter with when he was on the Atco label. And um, she said, you want to go to lunch with, with one of our artists? I'm like, sure. So we go to the Horn of Plenty. It was in the village. It was a great restaurant. And uh, her name was Brenda. And Brenda, Luther, and I had lunch together. And Luther was just such a nice guy. This was before his meteoric rise. What were you doing and that they wanted to wine and dine you? I was a music director at okay. WABC. All right. And um, so, yeah, so I had to have opportunity to have lunch with him. That, that was a great position. I got a chance to meet a lot of people. I had dinner with Jermaine Jackson one night and some of the others. And I used to get, you know, calls to do stuff like that. It was fun. But Luther was just an extremely nice guy. And then I, I knew some of the people that worked with him over the years. And he was just, uh, everyone just, he's one of those guys that you don't hear anything, you know, anything like some weird temperament stories from him or anything else. No. He was just an artist, artist. He was just really just a, a, a lovely guy. And he was just a great, great, incredibly great vocalist. I don't think there's going to be another Luther Vandross ever. You know, he was, uh, he was a unique guy. Mm. Um, I want to talk about this case, Derek, and we do have some calls. I want to get to some calls with you and, and the callers. But I want to talk about this case with, the 6-3 to three decision on the 303 creative versus Alinus. Mm -hmm. This is the one in Colorado that blocked Colorado from forcing a graphic designer, Lori Smith, to create websites for same-sex couples. You cannot compel with messages a person that, to act against their religious beliefs. Yes. Now, no this caused Joe Biden... Reiterated. Okay, this, this is what caused Joe Biden to say this is not a normal court yeah. for the first time in history... The SCOTUS has greenlit discrimination against a protected class, is what Democrat representative. I love uh, the protected Judy class because Sonia Sotomayor used the protected class thing in her dissent. And it's weird. When liberals lose a case, the media focuses a lot on the dissents. Um, the dissents really don't matter, but the protected class. Well, the United States of America, we're not supposed to have protected classes. You um, went right where I wanted to go. You went right where I wanted to go with this. Where in the Constitution does it say there is a protected class of American? Everybody's equal, but some people are more equal than others. It's a bizarre concept to me. It's an, a frustrating concept to be discussed as though it's perfectly normal to accept that some people are better than other people, are different than other people. We just got done with Pride Month, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's so oppressive, is it? in this country for, for various people, for whatever reason, I, uh, man, if I wish we were all as oppressed as the people who claim to be oppressed are on this case, because in no way, shape or form, is it at all true? You, first of all, the masterpiece cakes thing, they keep going after that guy. They hate that he exists. And that's the way the left functions. In a lot of things is you exist wrong. I must destroy you. Um, I don't want to eat anything made by somebody who doesn't want to make it for me, right? I'm a conservative. Thank I go, you. I go into a restaurant and there's a big Antifa lib on the grill. I'm not going to, and he goes, we don't really want to have you here. He doesn't like your politics. He knows who you are. He read your column, thinks you're a horrible person. I'm not going to say, don't worry about it. Just go back there and make my pork chop or my chicken because you, know, you won't undercook it or anything or miss it. No, I don't want to eat your food. I'm not interested in that. And I'm sure as hell not going to say, bake me a cake as fast as you can 
and I'm going to eat it. It'll be like Frank Costanza when he went back to cooking in Seinfeld and everybody was getting sick. I don't want that. It's bizarre. But the left, they don't really want Masterpiece Cakes to make the cake. They don't really want 303 Creative to design the website. They want the power to force them to do it because then you, if you are, have the power to force people to do things, then you have the ultimate power over them. You have power over them not only professionally, but then you begin to impact them personally. They'll keep their mouths shut. They'll keep their opinions to themselves. And there's one thing that the left hates more than anything else. It is thoughts that they disagree with, that they don't approve of. And those spread through conversations and common sense. And they try to tamp them down like Bug, like Daffy Duck smashes down Bugs Bunny when they tunnel up through the, and come out in the cave of gold. And Daffy's like, down, 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 mine, 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 stomping him down. That's how the left is with things they don't like, they don't agree with. This is just another example of that. Obedience is all they want. They might not get you to believe, but if they can get you to shut up and comply, it's the same thing. Nancy Pelosi says that no business or organization open to the public should be allowed to mask discrimination behind the guise of free speech or religious liberty. Now, I want to just parse that for a minute. She assumes that that people that have legitimate religious beliefs are bigoted, number one, which means... Christians, if you believe that, you know, I understand that, that, that right now same-sex marriage is legal and accepted, but if you still hold on to that antiquated religious belief that marriage is between a man or a woman, you're discriminating, and you're using your religious liberty as a guise. You are just, you don't really believe it. You're just using it as a guise to hate people. Mm-hmm. That is the message that you're getting about your religion from Nancy Pelosi. we got to love that coming from the devout Catholic Nancy Pelosi. She looks at the Catholicism and says, I like that part. I don't like that part. I like that part. I don't like that. That's not Catholic. As a, as a Catholic, I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that Nancy Pelosi is not a devout believer. But you, you love, they never look at it from the other point of view, James. You, you're discriminating against people because of their religion. You're discriminating, and more than that, you're compelling action on their behalf, action against their will. They don't seem to care about that because one group votes overwhelmingly for Democrats, and the other group is closer to 50-50. And it's always agenda uberalis, always said in the German, it's original German for the purposes of accuracy. That's how the left functions. The 99.9% friend is their 100% enemy. You have full compliance or you will be destroyed. That's how they operate. So we'll point out that Nancy Pelosi, you read Nancy Pelosi's tweet. It's weird. Nancy Pelosi tweets on everything. She weighs in on everything. You got Hakeem Jeffries up there as the, the face. But Nancy Pelosi is still the effective leader of Democrats in the House of Representatives. She hasn't said word one, tweeted one word about the uh, student loan decision.
because yep. she was exhibit one, exhibit A, yeah, I love that. in the case against <laughs> Joe Biden. So she doesn't want to remind anybody of anything. She doesn't want to, She wants to pretend she wasn't even in town that month. I love that. Sal in Staten Island, you're on WABC. Derek Hunter, James Golden here with you, both nearly Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza. How are you, Sal? Good morning, Bo. I'm fine. Love your show. Listen to you every Saturday morning. Thank you. So what's on your mind? Uh, well, I think you hit the nail on the head before when you were talking about parent-teacher night. Um, I can tell you that when I go to my son's school, um, sometimes I have to wait an hour on a line just to see one teacher. That's how crowded it is. And I, I think that's a really important fact that you brought up. But um, I want to tell you uh, around this court decision um, how it affected my son personally real quick. Uh, my son came out of middle school from a uh, public school. He got a full academic scholarship to one of the finest uh, high schools in our area. Um, in the past four years in that school, he did very well. He was one of the top students. For the four years, he maintained a 101.5 average, received fives on all his AP tests, which is a pretty big accomplishment. And between his junior and senior year, he was accepted into the Wharton School of Business Summer Finance Program with, you know, the brightest kids from all around the world. He met kids from all around the world there. So when he put in for all his colleges, naturally Wharton and UPenn was at the top of his list, uh, along with some other Ivy Leagues and some, you know, uh, a lot of other good schools. But it was really interesting that with all his accomplishments and everything he did, and he was involved in a lot uh, in the community, uh, he was rejected from all the Ivies uh, and a lot of other good schools. And uh, it was very strange. All these kids that he met from all over the world at this uh, summer finance program, none of them got into this school either. And uh, I'm, I'm all for everyone having an opportunity to go to the best schools. Absolutely. But I personally believe it should be based on merit, you know. And my son didn't come from a fancy grammar school. He went to a public school. And he worked his way up to that level. Now, thankfully, he got a full scholarship to a very, very good school uh, in the country here. And I asked him yesterday if uh, I said, listen, why don't you send an email back to Wharton, back to these Ivy League schools and say, listen, based on the recent decisions, can you reevaluate my application? You know what he told me? He said, what? if they didn't want me for what I did then I don't want to go there. This school, which is a really, really good school that he got a full scholarship to, he said, they offered me this. They want me there. That's where I'm going. I love it. What a great story. Thank you, Sal. We appreciate it. We got to run to a break. Derek, I'd love to hear your comments on that when we get to the other side. Number one on the UK charts on this day, 1975, 10CC, one of their big hits. I'm not in love. James Golden, most nearly WABC, Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Coming back, more of your calls, more Derek Hunter, right after this. Nerdly on 77 WABC. 
brings us back. Derek Hunter is with us. Derek, you want to respond quickly to the last photo that we had? Son didn't get into, uh, despite an amazing record of achievement, couldn't get into one of the Ivy Leagues. Well, I don't know the particulars. There are people who will get in and people who won't get in, but it really should be based on merit and the idea that merit is somehow racist is probably the most racist idea that I've heard. You sit there, and because implicit in that is that certain people, based on their melanin levels, are incapable of achievement. That's not the well. Case. The it's scholar been... Eric Dyson talks about that. He says when we talk oh, about yeah. race, yeah, but he, race he, his is own story, How did Eric Dyson manage to do it? How did Michael Eric Dyson? You're not supposed to ask that question. I know Just you're go not. With it. I know you're not. Why is it that maybe? Uh, Black and brown children who don't go to school, public schools in Democrat-dominated for generations areas, manage to do much better. Because most of the kids that get into these schools that do achieve are not from Baltimore, Detroit, Chicago, Philadelphia, St. Louis, etc., etc. They are from the suburbs, where maybe not it's, it's not complete Republican control, but the liberals there sure as hell aren't about to who fund the Democratic Party sure as hell aren't allowed to let they're going to let their schools uh, go into disarray. They have accountability. They have standards there. But in the enclaves where you get an 80 percent vote for Democrats for the last 70 years, why bother focusing and, and putting out the energy when you can just get teachers union members to give you your campaign funding, 90% of your campaign funding. So if you really want to change the end result, change the beginning, bring some accountability to the table, demand accountability, but you can't do that. It's wildly unpopular, and I'm probably a hate monger for even suggesting it. Well, I think, now let me just ask you one question to wrap this up, and we'll be back next hour, folks. Your call is 800-848-WABC. I want to, as again, and I'm going to suggest that people listen. I understand that not everybody agrees with what you're hearing here. And I'm going to invite you again. If you have a disagreement, bring it. But bring rationale uh, Derek, for do it. you think? Bring a reason for it. Well, that's Make what I argument. want to hear. And I want to have discussions with people. Yeah. Because there are people that think differently than us, Derek. Oh, absolutely. But there are a lot of people who think, who disagree without necessarily thinking about it. They can't make a case. They just disagree. Their spidey sense tinkles, whatever it is. So I would just suggest that uh, try and explain. Because in trying to explain why you feel a certain way, and I really don't care how people feel. I care what they think. What they think explains how they feel rather than the other way around. Um, If you really explore what you're thinking, you might come to a different conclusion. But I think most people just grab on the feeling. Where can people find you, Derek? Um, Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com. You search the Derek Hunter Podcast. I'll be on WMAL today for uh, D.C. for 4 to 7. You can find that at WMAL.com. And at Town Hall, four days a week. The Hill on Wednesdays. I don't get a day off, James. I love it. Derek Hunter, thank you for being with us, my friend. Thank you. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, Saturday morning radio extravaganza coming back after the news. Don't go away. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo 
Bruce Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number duo of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC. Any of the Supreme Court decisions that took place this week or in history, you're welcome to discuss. There are a few other words I want to say about this decision out in Colorado. And there are tons of other things to discuss. Yao is still with us. Hey, Yao, let me ask you a question. Yao Bansu, WABC News. You covered the problem, Yao, that people are having at especially Newark Airport has been hard hit with these flight delays and uh, out of, out of um, Newark. And there's another story that's happening. I'm, I'm wondering if you saw this one, that the United CEO took a private jet out to Colorado. The irony. And now he's a... Yeah. The irony. <laughs> It was, it was during it was during the week where I believe his airline was canceling thousands of flights, but I guess yes. his, his flight were one of the ones that weren't canceled. So, so he's he's out apologizing now. He says, "Oh, it's terribly insensitive to our customers who are waiting to get home." I sincerely apologize uh, to our customers and team members who've been working around the clock uh, for several days through severe weather to take care of customers. But hey, he had to get where he's. Going. I'm not mad at the guy for taking a private plane. I think if you have if you have the ability to take a private plane, why wouldn't you? But I think he would do it again. That's the thing. That, that's what makes the apology disingenuine. Because I think he's apologizing that he got caught, not that he actually took the plane. Because who would who wouldn't want to take a private plane at the end of the day? You take exactly. it to avoid the issues that United was facing. So it makes sense at the end of the day. Now some of those issues, by the way. And they're saying that it's the FE, the FAA that's behind a lot of these issues, that there are shortages of uh, flight controllers, and that they normally, when you had these kind of storm conditions brewing up out there, that um, he said that the FAA failed us. This is what the same, CEA, uh, the same CEO said. He yeah. said the, a, the FAA failed, that something, they've been historically able to manage the kind of weather conditions now without a severe impact on airplane operations. And Pete Buttigieg is out in the, I don't even, I saw a little mention of him in one of these stories too, but I don't know. So I guess what we should be suggesting people do is they have a flight over the 4th of July week and they better check ahead, right? Yeah, of course, but still with the FAA, I think the FAA is reducing, or according to the CEO, they're reducing the rate <laughs> at which planes could arrive and depart at the airport. So either way, you can catch your flight, but you still might be delayed just off that alone. It's it's really out of your control if the FAA is doing that. So just be prepared. You may have to sit a while to get to where you're going. You may sit on the tarmac. You may be. I've seen some of the pictures from some of the airports. With It is just a mess. But it has it has gotten better, though. I believe on Wednesday, canceled flights were around 26%. And then it went to 18 on Thursday and then around 8% Friday evening. So it is getting better. But if we're talking about particular airports, I know Denver's been hit very hard. You already mentioned Newark. So I guess depending on the area, things could be worse. But overall, United Airlines is getting better. So you got to give them props there. 
All right, cool. Y'all, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We'll look forward to hearing your report in the next hour. Thank you. Thank you. James, go. Avery, hey, 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 friends, if you do want to call us, 800-848-WABC. I got to ask Avery a question here. Avery, so uh, you, you, you are trapped during the week. Listen, to all these people talk on the radio about these Supreme Court decisions and everything else. Affirmative action. I can't. I've been waiting to ask you this. Is this. Avery, is this affirmative action decision going to affect your life in any way whatsoever? I'm not hearing a word from yeah. Avery. Um, what, is affirmative action going to affect my life? Yeah, in uh, any way whatsoever. Do you care? Do I care about affirmative action? Yeah. I mean, uh it's almost like Oh, you that. have to think about this when you're trying to think, am I going to get in trouble for this? Well, look, you, you try to set me up every week. <laughs> every, I feel like I feel like at the end of every show, every Saturday, you snap your fingers and go, man, I almost had them. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, Next I mean, is I'm this going to affect him. your life? Is this going to affect your life one way or another? It won't not any more than than it is now. Like, if it if it is, it's, it's, it's one of those like, what's that prayer for the alcoholics? You know, God give me the serenity to know what I can change, and you know that that whole thing. And if I can't change it or if I can't deal with it, then you know I just gotta keep on keeping on and be the best person I can be. Well, isn't that what? See, okay, that was isn't that what we do anyway? We're gonna try to achieve what we want to achieve anyway. I no mean, matter what happens. Yeah, like forces forces in effect above your pay grade and around you that you don't know about can't really do, can't really, you know. Now, if if all of a sudden somebody revealed these forces to you, you know, that's a whole other issue. But I just, okay. I, I just Good morning. Me. I feel like Avery is not answering the question. That's AI. Uh-oh. Hey, you got my auntie in here again? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see you at the barbecue, auntie. We're going to talk about this. Um, Hi, nephew. <laughs> you sound better this week, this week, auntie. <laughs> okay. All right. In so, having a smoke. I love it. I'll be back with you, uh, Avery, because we got some other things, man. There was a. There was a there was a story that came out of New Hampshire. I can't wait to see what you think about this one. I'll, but I'll get to that. This woman, man, the cops came to her house. They were investigating the crash, right? So dig this. The cops come to knock on her door. She's not involved in the crash. Somebody crashed near her house. Yeah. They open the door. She's in her house chilling, waiting for the baseball game to start, apparently. Her story is. Yeah. She's in New Hampshire. She's a Yankee fan. She was waiting for the Yankees to start. They open the door, and she opens the door. They're investigating. They smell alcohol on her breath. She's in her own house. She's in her own home. And then they look around the house, and the house is an utter disaster. Apparently, it's the most jacked-up house they've ever seen. It's filthy, dirty, messed up. They arrested her and took her to jail. They arrested her for, for being messy? I, they arrested her. They said she was <laughs> drunk, and with the condition of her house, it was a hazard. So they took her to jail. She's suing them now. And what they find she, in there? What? Chickens and, 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 and goats? <laughs> like, 
I've been in some messy houses too. I've, I've been in some messy houses where I felt people should be arrested. <laughs> well, they, well, they got her. I'm going to get to that story later. Yeah, all right. Uh, thank, uh, thanks, Avery. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, so let me let me just uh, go back to this case, this Supreme Court case, because this is an important case. And Derek touched on some of the things that I wanted to, to talk about, this idea that we have a protected class. And that protected class is not you. And so I, I, I was thinking of this. How do we get to this point? How do we get to this point in America where if you hold religious views now, there is an entire political party that's lined up against you to say you are the enemy. And you are, as Nancy Pelosi said, hiding your discrimination under the guise of your religion. Which to me is a pretty insulting statement. So it made me think that it wasn't very long ago in our lifetimes that we lived in a country where most people in the country thought, even though it was pretty much live and let live, that same-sex marriages were um, against biblical teachings and that uh, religious teachings, certainly, and that this was not something that should be pushed on society. So during the course of the quote-unquote civil rights movement with the LGBTQ, it became in, not in vogue anymore to hold on to that point of view. In fact, you have major denominations. There is still a split going on inside the Methodist Church. That story was out a few weeks ago, where a lot of the uh, a lot of the churches are now individual churches are deciding to leave from the United Methodist Church because United Methodist Church has adopted this view that you know same sex stuff is okay, and a lot of the tradition more traditional people that hold on to the religion the way that they were taught say no, it's not, and we don't want the church to fold and bend on that, so they're leaving the United Methodist Church. But is it, and I'm trying to be delicate with this, because I really don't want to be offensive to people who hold a different point of view. At the same time, where's the tolerance from people on the other side of this? Why is it permissible for you to call people bigots if they hold on to traditional religious views, but you're not a bigot and you don't have to be tolerant of their views? How does that work? How did the idea of a protected class of people, be it a racial class, be it a class of behavior, because that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a behavior. We're not talking about anything other than behavior. People have decided that their behavior is permissible for them. Yes, I have. What's the question? Have you heard the Sparkle Creed? Yes, I have heard the Sparkle Creed. In fact, there was a video this week of a Lutheran. I believe she was Lutheran. Would you like me to play it for you? 
Yes, play the Sparkle Creed for me if you can find the Sparkle Creed. AI is uh, 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 on the case here. Have you heard? Have you heard of this, the Sparkle Creed, uh, Nick? Have you heard? If you guys haven't heard, okay. This is what's going on in some churches right now. Um, this is in a progressive Lutheran. I invite church. you to rise in body or spirit, and let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love, so beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. That's the Sparkle Creed. Now, let me just say about that, I believe in love, too, and I believe that love is the most powerful force in the universe because love is the creator of the universe. God is love, right? And we've been taught that. And so uh, you're not going to find me saying anything against love, but this idea now that we have to have everything in these ideological terms of the pronouns and the binary, you know, a lot of people that grew up in traditional religious settings will find us offensive. Okay? And so the notion that the court knocked down is that it's okay for you Christians to actually, and this is an important decision, because this not only goes to Christians, it also goes to Orthodox people of other faiths who believe in what their scriptures, whether they're reading them from the Quran, whether they're reading them from the Bhagavad Gita, whether they're reading them from from Taoism, from wherever it is, that believe that man and woman were created and by God and that the universe, at least humankind, is supposed to perpetuate itself through this union of man and woman. And that is one of the reasons for the creation of human beings, right? And so the idea that you have people that still believe that is offensive to liberals in this in this country. They have not, people in the LGBTQ community have gained acceptance and there are a lot of people like me. I don't. You want to marry a guy? Look, that's up to you. You want to marry a girl? That's up to you. You want to dress like a, a woman, even though you're a man, and call yourself a woman? Have at it. I don't care. Do your thing. You do you. I'll do me. But the idea that you're going to force me to do you is offensive. I don't have to believe what you believe. 
I don't have to. So if I have religious beliefs like this woman did, Lori Smith, the Christian graphic artist, and she says she wants to, in her business, help celebrate weddings through the lens of God as she believes it. The court just said, okay, you can do that. And you're not going to run afoul of the state of Colorado, which insists that you better not hold on to your religious views. You better do what we say, which is to do, which is to put in messages that you might not want to put in. Now, at the same token, just because of that, this woman is not saying that she doesn't have to ever deal with people that think differently than her. In other words, an LGBTQ person can come into her web design service and ask for a website on what? We want to open up a business uh, that caters to, you know, office supplies or whatever, whatever. She has no right to deny them that. The only thing that she has a right to do is to hold fast with her religious principles when it comes to this issue of what would offend her religious sensibilities. Now, Sotomayor, in her dissent, said, the law in question targets conduct, not speech, for regulation. And that's exactly right. And she says, the act of discrimination has never been constituted protected expression under the First Amendment. Our Constitution contains no right to refuse service to a disfavored group. Our Constitution doesn't talk about groups of protected people. And that's at the bottom of all of this. One of the things that I hope happens with this ruling and with other rulings that the court has made this week is that somehow we get to the notion of throwing out completely, once and for all, this idea that there were protected classes of people in America. No American has a right to be in a protected class. It is not in the Constitution. There are no protected classes of people constitutionally. And at the bottom of all of this, that's what needs to be gotten rid of. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, 800-848-WABC. And again, I am willing, if you have a disagreeing point of view, I want to hear it. Have at it. 800-848-WABC. Don't go away. Coming back. Song sung blue, everybody knows one. July 1st, 1972. Number one in the United States of America, Neil Diamond. Me and you are subject to the blues now and then. But when you take the blues and make a song, you sing them out again. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. 
Stevie fans will recognize the song, which first appeared on the Songs in the Key of Life album, Stevie Wonder. This is Luther's version of Knocks Me Off My Feet. morning, America's small caffeinated mom will join us. Your calls, of course, welcome WABC 800-848-WABC. And let's take a few calls right now. People have been waiting. Uh, Tom in Woodbridge, welcome. You're on WABC. Uh, with regard to the affirmative action ruling by the Supreme Court, uh, long overdue, uh, affirmative action is uh, flies in the face of equal protection of the laws. There should be no thing, such thing as a protected class of citizens. It flies in the face of the quality before the law. Uh, and it's only inevitable uh, that when you take away uh, affirmative action based on pure merit in a meritocracy, <clears throat> where people rise and fall based on their ability and their efforts and nothing else, it's inevitable that some races or racial groups are going to have a uh, overrepresentation in college admissions to elite universities. Why? Because it's clearly been demonstrated that IQ, intelligence quotient, and other uh, academic and intellectual uh, performance tests clearly show that different racial groups have different IQs and different... Uh, no, it doesn't. No, it does not. No, it does not. That's just a bunch of bull. It does not show that. That is the same racist argument that people have been using. Let, let me translate this. Oh, black people don't have the same kind of IQs as white people. That's the same silly argument we've been he hearing for almost two centuries. And now you can go back, and I actually read the bell curve, so don't try to run this crap by me, okay? Actually read the bell curve. And that is not what the bell curve says, that little blanket statement they're just, well, some groups have a better IQ than other racial groups. There are actually lots of things that go into the measure of IQ. And a lot of it has to do with conditioning. A lot of it has to do with education. A lot of it has to do with things that don't pertain to, oh, you were born with a certain skin color, and therefore we can tell you what you're going to be. So I don't know where you come up with this stuff from, but it's offensive to listen to. It's offensive to hear. And that is, I'm going to give you the last word because I'm not trying to cut people off. Go right ahead and spew. But please don't run that kind of crap on this show and think you, I'm just going to sit here and listen to it without pushing back on it. Your, your turn. Am I? Am I still on? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you usually you just you just gave the standard left wing 
boilerplate a response when everybody sent uh, anybody suggests factual information on IQ differences. No, I didn't give a left wing response. I gave a response from having read the freaking bell curve and knowing where this argument comes from. So don't try to pass it off as some left-wing response. You just gave the typical KKK response that people have been hearing in this country for years, that if you're black or if you're another racial group, you are inherently inferior. And it's a lot of garbage. Now, you might want to prop yourself up and think that you're some kind of smarter-than-thou person because your skin color is different, but, my friend, that is not the way that God created human beings. Again, you get the last words, but don't give me this I'm a being left wing crap because this is nothing left wing. Next up, you. Okay. You, you claim you read the bell curve. That's why I'm getting the information, not just the bell curve. The bell curve. How did I know? How did I, how did I know? Because I knew the premise of the bell curve, and I know how people like you interpret it. I've been listening to this argument for 30 years. That's exactly why I knew how to zero in on where you think you're getting this information from. You got from it what you wanted to get from it, not what the total conclusions of it. And if you want, we can try to get the author. He's brilliant. Charles Murray, we can get him and talk with him and ask him if that's what he's saying, because this argument has been had in society before. And Charles Murray has been on TV talking about his book, The Bell Curve, and I knew that's where you were spewing your nonsense from. I'm done. Have a good day, Tom. See you later. Goodbye. James Golden, A.K. Snurley. Sorry, folks, I don't usually get worked up, but I'm not going to listen to this crap. Some racial groups are just more intelligent than other racial groups. It's a bunch of BS. Let's dance. Thank you. Morning dance. Let me get up. Okay, I'm up. Thank you, IA. I needed this because... uh, Just because. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848. I didn't mean to yell at the guy. I apologize. Didn't mean to yell. But try it on a host that doesn't read. Try it on a host that doesn't read the stuff. Not on me. Try it on Rachel Maddow. <laughs> oh, come on, I believe Rachel reads. <sighs> WABC, Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't be a furred. If you're a liberal and you have an opposing view from me, don't be a furred. I won't yell at you. It's just certain arguments sending me over the edge. 800-848-9222. Coming back in a moment. This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden. A.K.A. Bo Snurdly on 77 WABC. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, still dancing, still grooving on WABC Talk Radio 77. Hey, you need, you need, you need this, man. Morning. I need it. You need this, man. We, 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 got, <laughs> we, we got the hokey pokey or something to make him do something fun. <laughs> <laughs> this song was in Bridesmaids. 
It was in Bridesmaids. I never watched Bridesmaids. Did you watch Bridesmaids? Uh, have you ever? Did you told me you watched it? Yeah, right? I said that's, that's, that's a one-time watch. Yeah. Hey Scott, man. Hey, hey, say the hey, say the lyrics to Pretty Young Thing in in that voice from Michael Jackson. What is a Scott? <laughs> pretty Pretty Young Thing. Yeah. What are the lyrics to Pretty Young Thing? What are you tell me? What the lyrics to Pretty Young Thing are? You know the you know the song I'm talking about, right? Michael Jackson, I want to love you, pretty young thing. Yeah. Hey, I want to love you, pretty young thing. Hey, I, yeah. I, I, I'll kill you. I'll kill you, Scott. I want to love you. PYT, go ahead. Where did you come from? <laughs> hey, just, hey, just the hook. Just give me the hook. <laughs> Where did you come from, baby? <laughs> PYT. What are you trying to say about Michael? You know, come on, it's been just a week after the anniversary. I want to love you, pretty young thing. <laughs> I just want to hear, I just want to hear Scott do the, do, the, do the hook in that voice. I want to love you, pretty young thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, 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 P-Y-T. no, 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 no. That is AI. That is, that is our artificial intelligence. <laughs> Have you been hit by these gnats, by the way? You do P-Y-T. know. That, you do know, Avery. <laughs> It's getting away from me, folks. Okay, go ahead. You, you, you do know that there's a gnat infestation in New York, right? Yes. Have you been hit by the gnats? Yes. You have been? Yes. The green gnats, the clouds of green gnats that are swarming around. No one can, Where are they from? I don't know. But they got a date with the bottom of my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a, it, you know, it sounds like church up in my up in my place with all the hand claps, k- killing killing that. <laughs> <laughs> right now, right now, the city is swarm with them floods, raining ash, and now a swarm of insects. It's almost like a biblical plague. Yeah, yeah uh, some people are complaining that they can't even open their mouth. Yeah, because they, the gnats are flying in their mouths when they're walking down the streets. It's not all gnats, though. It's like a whole different variety. It's like big, small. They're not all gnats. Like so, so sometimes you look in that corner and you see something, something like landing, in, like standing in the corner, and you like, man, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But you can't even watch TV no more. Like you got one eye on that and one eye on the television. <laughs> <laughs> and it's too high up in the corner. It's like too high. Like you, you can't reach it, and so now it's just a, it's a staring contest. Oh my gosh! You know you, you make me feel so good inside. See, I always wanted a girl just like you. See, I such a pyt it. pretty young thing, ooh. <laughs> Y'all, <are> the- <laughs> Avery, why did you want to hear? PYT lyrics today. You, are, you trying, was, are you trying to date? It was are you, funniest, you have someone? It was the funniest you lyrics. You ha, 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 ha. It was the funniest lyrics I could think of from a robot. <laughs> <laughs> if I would have thought a little longer, I would have came up with something else. Okay, Avery, let me ask you a question now since you brought this up. What is your, Avery... Um, do you like going out with younger women or older women or women your own age? Younger, older, or what? No, I, I like going out with women. So it doesn't? No. It, it doesn't I see, matter. I don't see color. I don't see age. I don't see anything. 
I, wait a minute. You don't see age. That could end you in, up in jail, my friend. Well, I, 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 I don't, amend that statement. I don't see age on the legal <laughs> on the on the legal side, man. Okay, so once once they pass the legal requirements for age, you don't yes, see yes, age past that I don't point. See, I don't see age anymore. Uh, do you have a cutoff age? Um, How about you, Nikki? N- Nick is our young Tom Selleck lookalike, who just is like Mister Hotshot, young energy. What, what are you? What are you? Come on, don't complain. Or William H Macy. Actually, you know what? He does kind of have a, a young William H Macy. Look. Oh, come on! I'll take Tom Selleck over that. Okay. But um, do you like? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll take any kind of female attention I can get. If I'm being honest, I don't really care if they're older or you know a little bit younger. But I don't really. Yeah, no preference. How much How much older are we talking? Um, elderly. Well, I'll I'll be honest. I'm, I'm 23, <laughs> so I'm gonna give myself a cutoff at like 40. Yeah, I'm not gonna give myself a cutoff. But once you if you get elderly though, now I gotta worry about like I don't know. Like, I don't know, is it a murder charge if, if she dies during the act? Like, I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> natural, we, died of we natural go, causes. We going in. We going in, both. so I don't know. Is that a mur- Do I have to make a sign a waiver or something? I don't. I hope she got a pacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> that video? That, I love you know? the idea that you, I love the idea that you think older is 40. I mean, and it's older know? than me. It's older than me, you know? Okay, I mean, 40 I is still at- a very... Yeah, it's a very it's a woman full of life at forty for sure. But I'm th- I'm thinking like after forty oh, or forty five, like after like forty five, like what 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 can I relate to that a forty five year old woman about? You know, at that. Would you point, like me to answer that question? Maybe uh, maybe you can text me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's good for the radio. <clears throat> okay. We talking about dating or are we talking about just you know. Just being, what know, are you just, talking about, Avery? I mean, I'm talking, I'm about, talking like, about dating. I'm talking about like a physical thing. Oh, just a Avery. date is like the, oh, oh. Avery, 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 shame on you. We know where his mind is at. You... Well, yeah, that's where my mind was. But we're talking, <laughs> well, it's when she starts talking about stuff that you have no clue about, like wars and stuff that you that you weren't around for and like. I don't know events like historic events that you learned about in school that she was at. Like, I don't... <laughs> yeah, you know they jumped out of the window in the Great Depression. You know, in the Great Depression. No, 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 they didn't. I was there. That, 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 that's a lie. That's what I'm saying. There's no common ground. <laughs> that's what it's like. Okay, hold on, miss. Hold on, miss. <laughs> hold on, ma'am. <laughs> it might so be a, little a woman that would talk to you about, yeah, I remember what it was like the day of 9-11, blah, blah, blah. You're looking yeah. at her and you're saying, uh-huh. 9-11, yeah, no. that's old one. That's recent. Yeah, but for me, I don't oh, remember for that. Oh, yeah, for him, yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, for yeah. Nick, he doesn't remember that. Yeah. Which is scary, but okay. So when you hear people talk about that, Nick, you're like, okay, then. That's a little too old for me. Mm-hmm. A little too old, but like... You know, I, I've had some, you know, I was actually still in, um, I was still living in England in 2001. So I kind of, uh, I was watching it from a distance, or at least my family was, and they would describe it to me. And, you know, I'd watch all sorts of clips and hear firsthand stories. My aunt was actually working near the World Trade Center when that happened. So that there's, you know, there's crazy stories. And I can definitely live, experience it vicariously. But, yeah, I certainly can't relate to when it actually happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what's the dating scene like now? How do you guys, where do you guys take, Avery, where do you take a date? The first time you go out for a date with a woman, where are you taking her? 
Don't bitch. lie either. Don't make up <laughs> something. Don't lie and say that oh you're taking a I'm not, you Okay, don't wanna, where you don't, do you take You don't want to be too fancy on the first date. So maybe Why not? Well no, you got to work your way up. You can't you can't start at the top. You 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 got to you got to have somewhere to go from there. So where do you you're not taking a woman to Mickey D's on the first date are you Avery? No, where I'm, are you taking no, a woman on your first a woman date? With Mickey D's. So maybe like a little jazz spot, you know, some some live music or something. Um, maybe a movie or like both. And the, the the meal probably doesn't really matter, but it's just no nowhere like real super formal. The meal doesn't matter. Why doesn't well, the meal matter? Well, as long as it's not Mickey D's, it's just a, it's a nice restaurant, but not Mickey D's, but not like you know jacket and tie required. So, all right, Nick, where Burger are you? King. <laughs> Burger King. Well, I don't know. Five Guys is a step above that. I don't know. Five Guys might be a consideration. That's that's that next level <laughs> of fast food. You could do some damage in Five Guys. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Five Guys is a really expensive yeah, burger. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. It is. And if you want fries and a shake, forget about it. You're yeah. walking out like, yeah, 30, so, $30 poor. Yeah, that might be a, that might be a, you know. Wait a minute, Nick. You're telling me that you, $30, the woman on the first date, you might walk. No, I was just talking Nick. about five guys. It, it's ridic okay, ridiculously Nick, where are you going to take, Nick, when you have your first date with a woman, where are you taking her? As long as she's not over 40 and <laughs> ancient and decrepit. Well, I'm trying to where think. Where are you taking her? And I, I was, you know, to piggyback of what uh, Avery said, you can you can be classy without breaking the bank. So, like, a, a jazz spot would be nice, somewhere where there's some live music, preferably, you know, if they like music, you can relate to them with that. I'm thinking, like, food-wise, um... A lot of girls, at least a lot of girls, at least I know, they like sushi and kind of Japanese food. So maybe I'll go something like that. Maybe like an Asian fusion, something tasty, you know, something that's kind of, you know, everyone likes. Hopefully not too messy. Like I wouldn't go be getting like spaghetti and meatballs on the first date, you know, avoid a wardrobe malfunction. I need, I need, I just need, <laughs> I just need uh, some kind of intimacy. I need to be off in a corner somewhere. I need to be making physical contact. You know, hands and all that. Your first date? No, 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 no. Hand, like a connection, like hands, like grabbing, you know, holding hands. Like, well, that's what the movie's good for. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, no, 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 no. Some chicks don't like you talking to them during the movie. You just hold their hand during the movie. Eh, no, nah, that's 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 tricky. That's, Maybe for you. That's tricky money. That's, <laughs> that's, that could ruin a whole night if you've got the wrong girl. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I like to talk during the movies. And then, you know, some chicks, they don't have it. They, they are not having it. And then some don't mind, but some are not having it. <laughs> so, okay, so let me ask you a question. First date, you've you've taken the woman to the jazz club. Yeah. You've taken her to the movie. Uh -huh. And then how do you end the night? Do you see her home? Do you see her to her door? How does this work now? I'm trying to check because the live? rules may have changed since the since I started, you know. Where does she was, live? You know. Where does she, does she live in the same? What does that matter? Well, look. If she came to meet you, and she came, did you go pick her up, or did she? You ask her well, to meet it's you somewhere. Probably a meet after work thing. So, yeah, if she lives in Brooklyn or something, and you live the other direction, you know that might be a, a cab thing or something. But you can't take her to Brooklyn and come all the way back to. You can't. No, nah, come on, man. Come on, Bo. Whoa. Why not? Whoa. That's deep. You so you you're like okay, thanks, babe. You're on your own. Get home safe. Check no, me. no. You put in a check me when you get in. Well, yeah, you're gonna say that regardless. But 
Yeah, you put it. But in you're cab. not gonna see her to the door. If the movie, if the movie's in Manhattan and I live in Manhattan and she lives in Brooklyn, yes, or, or wherever, yes. On the first date. On the first date. Yeah, that's tough, boy. I'm presuming you want to see her again. Yeah, we had a good time. Yeah. And you're not gonna get her to her doorstep. Wow, things have changed. Nick, at least you seem to say, okay, no matter where it is, you go, right? I, I think I would. You know, I don't live in the city. I'm from Jersey. But, yeah, if I was in Manhattan. Are you driving? And No, I'm taking the bus. But um, You are not going to. All right, go ahead. If she, uh, if she lives in Brooklyn or whatever, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, would, I would hop in the cab or, you know, walk her to her doorstep. It's it, not a big deal, bro. It, it's, all, it's, it's, about it's, the, it's about that first impression, right? And you end the night with you know making sure they get home safe that's a nice feeling that's like that person cares even though you've just met that's what the that, that's how you establish an immediate connection that's what the text is for hey. you do both the text is just a little cherry on top the cherry on top wow period things have changed dramatically james golden that case we're coming back the gang is here wabc talk radio 77 saturday morning radio extravaganza your calls are coming up don't go away I only date communist computers. I like to take them to virtually visit Lenin's tomb and sing Michael Jackson songs. Man, how long did it take you to type that? How long did it take you to type that? <laughs> he was typing the whole time we were talking. <laughs> long time. Tick, tick, tock, tick, 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 tock, tick. Harry, you're trying to finish before we went to break. <laughs> Coming back. Fingers are bleeding. <laughs> Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. W-A-B-L-C. James Golden is Bo Snurdly with you. Saturday morning radio extravaganza with the Beatles. Yes, we're coming back to get your calls and a, a lot of calls coming up, too, in the next hour. So if you're on hold, stay on hold. Um, I talked about this story, this story earlier. A woman is planning to sue her small New Hampshire town after she was arrested in her own home last year by police who were investigating a crash that occurred nearby because they said they could smell alcohol on her breath. Colleen Loud was sitting in her home, New Hampshire, eating a bowl of ice cream, waiting for the Yankee game to start last October. Officers knocked at her door. Open up. Okay. And then they eventually took her into custody. Police say they arrested her for being intoxicated with a breath alcohol test reading of just over 0.8%, which is below the legal limit for driving. As well, they arrested her over concern for the condition in her house. One of the officers accused her of being a hoarder. 
Later on in an interview, she said, yeah, my house is a mess, which is none of their business. Now she says she plans to hire an attorney and sue them for what she calls a wrongful arrest. Now, she was not suspected of the they They knocked on her door because they wanted to know if she had heard the car crash into the bushes outside of her mobile home. She said she's not. She closed the door on the officer, returned to watch the ball game. Then... One of the others, a sergeant, knocked on a door again and said he could smell alcohol. And that's when it all began. And so she was arrested in her own home for being drunk, even though she was not at the you know legal limit, and for having a messy, dirty house. Messy, dirty house. Yeah. Oh, a lot of people, never mind. Don't go there with any sexist statements, James. A Maryland professor has been fired after making female students stand in their bras so that he could examine their breasts. And this is in the very liberal town, very liberal, liberal enclave in Maryland, in Montgomery. Imagine for a moment you're a female student enrolled in a college course. Your professor, your professor demands you and 10 of your fellow female classmates get up, take off your shirts in front of the class, stand in your sports bra while he inspects your breast and comments on your nipples for a medical demonstration. That's what happened in this classroom. After removing their shorts. Now, first of all, these girls, so if you're in a... The teacher says, stand up and take off your shirt. What's the first thing you tell this? Get the, okay, but apparently these young ladies in this classroom said, okay, I'll get up and I'll take off my shirt. Is it a medical class? Uh, Let me see what kind of class this professor is in. (laughs) History. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't even say in the news story. It's According to the letter, he required all the students to remove their shirts and wear only sports bras in order to conduct demonstrations and assessments. Demonstrations and assessments, man. Man, This guy went. The professor also commented on the students' nipples and (laughs) breast positioning, asked the students to separate their breasts so he could conduct an assessment. He got to make it look real. Three years in, this is still being investigated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's Some of the students are saying, of course, that this was sexual, a hostile env- environment based on sex, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's cold. Well, what did the parents say? They're college students. Nobody asked their parents. <laughs> I guess <laughs> they said, you're taking off your clothes to everybody else. Why not? Uh, no. <laughs> you might as well no. do it for an A. I need to you go back to college. <laughs> you better get that A+. Plus. <laughs> this is the A plus line. This is the B line. This is the C line. <laughs> your future is your in your hands now, people. This, this, is, this is a life lesson. This is a life lesson. <sighs> this is in Montgomery County. 
the one of the most liberal. Uh, this is one of the most. If you knew how liberal Montgomery County was, you'd dig this. Uh, Montgomery County is a place, and I'm not kidding. Many years ago in Montgomery, they allowed a lawsuit because someone someone said that they could smell the smoke from somebody's house that was like a mile away. The, uh, the professor had to sound real professional too when he when he asked him to do this. That's that's, that's the. He well, probably, can you imagine what happened to the what happened to? I thought the younger generation of women were so independent and so everything else that you would think that if, if some professor actually says this, that they would just stand up and say, you must be out of your mind. I'm not going to do that. Are you crazy? I'm telling you, he probably, Instead, they complied. He probably used a scientific name for breast and everything. He probably was real technical. Everybody showed me your breast to kiss majoris or something. Memories. Memory, memories. Your memory, major, your memory majoris. What, what's that? You know? I'm telling you, like that's a real bold guy. He probably, I don't know, is he married? <laughs> At this point, is he out of jail? <laughs> James Golden, a.k.a. A.A. Snurley. So he got away with uh, it. Uh, Saturday morning radio extravaganza, hour three, starts in a bit right after the news. Please don't go away. If you're on hold, stay on hold. Coming with your calls, too. And America's small caffeinated mom in the next hour. Don't go anywhere. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And welcome to our number three. Our Saturday morning radio extravaganza and time flies. Just a reminder, I am headed on vacation in midweek. So next Saturday, there will be a Saturday morning radio extravaganza, but I don't know yet who will be hosting it. It won't be me. I'll be on the high seat. Montenegro. Yeah, I'll be in Montenegro this time next week or somewhere out there. Yeah, I'm getting all kind of comments. Some saying that the girls were stupid to take off their shirts, and one person said, yeah, I'd introduce that teacher to Mr. Smith and Mrs. Wesson. But, uh, yeah, in Montgomery County, you'd be in jail for the rest of your life for that. Wow. In Michigan, I don't know what has happened to the state of Michigan. Dig this. In Michigan, the House of Representatives, the House there, I don't know what, the House of Representatives, this is the state house in Michigan, passed a bill that could make it a felony, a felony, to intimidate someone by intentionally using the wrong gender pronouns. Under the bill, if you use the wrong pronouns and you were found guilty, you could be punished by imprisonment for not more than five years and by a fine of not more than $10,000. So if someone wants to be called whatever pronoun they choose and you don't do it and it's considered intimidation, that means the willful course of conduct in voting repeated or continuing harassment. So if you repeatedly call them the wrong pronoun or whatever, that would cause a reasonable individual to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened, that actually causes the victim to feel terrorized, 
frightened or threatened, so the bill says, then the person could go that's calling you the round the wrong pronoun could go to jail for five years and or be fined ten thousand dollars. Designers are coming up with a new Penn Station. The long-awaited plan to redesign Penn Station released this week. $6 billion it would cost leaves Madison Square Garden pretty much intact, but wraps it up in a stone structure. You know, Madison Square Garden, I have to tell you, it's one of the ugliest buildings I've ever seen. It is ugly, has been ugly. Now, I'm going to date myself here, and this happens. I do remember being in the old Penn Station. Nick would have no clue as to what I'm talking about. Avery, you would have no clue to what this was. Do you have you, you guys have been in Grand Central Station, right? You've been does that look like a beautiful place to you or does it look like old and whatever? What does that mean? It, it, looks, it, it looks all right when when it, when, it, when it's like clean. <laughs> yeah. You mean the area where you buy your tickets and stuff? I'm talking about the whole thing where you can look up and see the broad, the beautiful skylights and the yeah, architecture I do like of it. Yeah, that's cool. And, yeah. the, and the floors, the beautiful floors and the how grand a building it is. Well, that's what Penn Station used to look like in a way. It, Penn, Penn Station had these beautiful high architectural ceilings with, uh, with skylights and windows and light would just pour in there from everywhere. And then they knocked it down. And came up with this ugly Penn Station that that's just hideous. And Madison Square Garden is just hideous. They knocked down an architectural masterpiece and put this, this ugly Penn Station in there. And now they want to get rid of the ugly Penn Station and put a new ugly Penn Station in. And you guys are going to pay $6 billion for that. So they says that they're open to any um, any architect, design firm, or engineer. That uh, they they will they're accepting proposals for it. I think that what somebody ought to do is propose putting the old one back, going back and look at the pictures of the old Penn Station, and just do a replica of that, modernize some of the features, but bring it back to where it used to be. It was a very beautiful piece of architecture. But I doubt whether that'll happen. Let's head to telephones. People have been waiting, and I wanted, I said we get to more phones, and I want to keep my word on that. So let's start with E. Frank and Astoria. E. Frank, how are you this morning? Welcome. Yes, uh, Mr. Golden, I'm doing well this morning. Yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit uh, and comment on uh, Hunter Biden's uh, IRS issue. Uh, you know, I I I don't like what uh, they decided for him because uh, he's getting uh, a small slap on the wrist. We don't know the whole story about the issue about his income tax evasion, uh, and uh, I've heard that many uh, uh, pundits are saying that oh, the, you know, because it's President Biden and because it's his family that they're letting Hunter Biden uh, run free uh, with this uh, new deal. Now, I have nothing against President Biden or uh, his son. Uh, I, I'm a Democrat. Uh, I, I favor certain things that Joe Biden is doing as president. But I feel that the law in this country is thwarted uh, against certain people. Just because they have a, a certain amount of influence, 
They've accomplished a certain amount of goals. They have the right to thwart the law according to their understanding. You know, I've met many of the supporters of President Biden, and they're the most, uh, you know, university-educated, uh, uh, pompous uh, intellectuals that I have ever seen in my life. They're selfish and they're selfless. They don't really care about other people except supporting President Biden. They don't care if a Republican is begging on the street. You know, and I think that, that that's not fair, that uh, people thought the law according to what they they believe the law should be because they've accomplished certain goals in society. Well, let's talk about some of the facts about this. The slap on the wrist that uh, that Hunter Biden is getting, number one, goes against the DOJ's own policies. We spoke with the lawyer for the rapper Kodak earlier in the week whose client was in jail and has been, was in jail for some of these same charges. And one of the things that he revealed to us, which we verified uh, through other reporting, was that this diversion that he's getting for the gun charge goes directly against the DOJ's own policies. The DOJ policy states that you don't get a diversion in gun cases, yet they are making an exception for Hunter Biden. So that will tell you that you're right. This is not something that happens with other Americans. Now, as for the tax charges, we put together, Lisa and I put together a list a few weeks ago of all the people that have gone to jail for either gun or tax charges and some of the names or, or lying to the feds, all of which Hunter Biden did. Some of the names would include Martha Stewart, jail, uh, 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 Lauren Hill, jail, Wesley Snipes, jail, the rapper Kodak that we talked about, jail. And Leona Hemsley went to jail. For those of you young, who are young, like, uh, let me ask them. Nick, you know who Leona Helmsley was? You ever heard of that name, uh, Leona Helmsley? Got to say, I haven't heard of that name. Okay. So she was used to be like the queen of mean, but the biggest, one of the biggest real estate people in New York, she and her husband. And they threw her butt in jail. Martha Stewart went to freaking jail, and yet Hunter Biden escapes. So, yes, you're right. There's a dual standard that's being played out right before our very eyes here. Now, E. Frank, you said that you are by that you like some of the things that Biden has done. I want to know what those things are. I'm not trying to argue with you. I, since you are a Biden supporter, we don't have a chance very often to hear from people that admit that they support Joe Biden. So please tell us what it is that you support that he's done or doing that you think is that that he's done right. Well, uh, I think that uh, Joe Biden has been very kind and generous with his vice president. He's included her, her Kamala Harris, in many of his decisions. I, I, that's what I support. Uh, Can I stop Joe you Biden right there and just ask you a question? Um, Kamala Harris, he put her in charge of the border. He named her the border czar. Um, what has she done as border czar that you think, or was that not what you were thinking of when you said he's included her? Specific uh, uh, idea that she is the border czar now. I was thinking more of uh, in, in terms of how he includes her in his decisions all the time uh, to work with her as vice president, as a partner in the uh, Biden administration. To the Let police. me ask you a question. If they run again and happen to, quote, unquote quote, win, ugh, um, and, and she didn't finish the term, would you be comfortable 
with Kamala Harris as president of the United States? Yes, I would. You think Kamala would be a good president? Uh, I can't say that she would be a good president, but I think she would undertake uh, the uh, policies of uh, the country under her understanding of of democratic liberal values that she has. And I think okay, so let me ask you another question. What are the democrat liberal values that you talk about that you like? What do the Democrats bring to the table that you think are great values for the country? Uh, I believe Democrats allow the, the the poor in this country to get an opportunity to advance to a point where they can get uh, a better form of education, get the opportunities economic-wise to uh, obtain housing, and as well as to be able to uh, improve the the understanding that this country needs to have a shakedown in infrastructure uh, and rebuild infrastructure to the point that infrastructure works for all people. Okay, now let me ask you a question about that. Joe Biden, when he was under Barack Obama, we spent uh, almost a tr- uh, three-quarters of a trillion dollars on infrastructure. And then when uh, Joe Biden was there, we had another infrastructure bill, almost another trillion dollars. And um, can I ask you to name three or four things that the Democrats have built with that infrastructure money, almost $2 trillion in infrastructure. Can you name two or three places where it went? Uh, I, I guess that some of the money went into the U.S. US highway system. Uh, and some of no, the no, actual... that's a different, that's, that's the transportation bill. That's separate. It didn't go there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. It, it did not go there. But I also can't give you a, a, a factual... Uh, yeah, you know, you know, here's the problem. Nobody can. Because a lot of that money went into unions and went into um, money that was spent elsewhere. In fact, some of it went to prop up teachers during the COVID. Uh, it didn't go to infrastructure. And we were lied to. But let me ask you another question about you said the Democrats helped the poor and all this. So if the Democrats helped the poor and the uneducated, why do so many poor and uneducated people still live in Blue cities where Democrats have been running for about a hundred years, running the show. All right, I can answer that. Like, I... like New, like, like New York. Can we, let's let's bring it home. Let's bring it to New York. In New York, there were over two hundred some odd failing schools. They have been for generation after generation. Mostly, it's black neighborhoods and Hispanic neighborhoods. And so the Democrats, you know, they're the party. Oh yeah, we're going to help the poor people. We love the black and the Hispanic. So why are so many of them still poor? Why are the schools still failing in these neighborhoods? Well, I, I can answer that quite clearly. I live in the thick of the heat of what uh, the problem is. Uh, I think in local governments, like in New York City, and then you go into the uh, uh, greater local levels, like the borough governments, uh, like uh, the borough president of Brooklyn, borough president of Queens, the, the money uh, gets tied up and misdistributed. Uh, in the courts, you can't really get any uh, uh, support from the uh, but e. mayor. Frank, or e. e. Frank, ho- hold on, E. Frank. We're spending more money on schools. We spend uh, a New York school budget is. I'll have to get you the exact number. Well, we're spending more per capita on students than almost anywhere in the world, and that money's going into the schools. But we're still coming out with these failing grades, and we're still coming out with generations of minorities, especially failing in New York schools. 
And that gets replicated around the country. Almost every other place Democrats run. So you're telling me the Democrats really are for um, the the people, the poor people, the the minorities, but the minorities always end up in these Democrat cities on the short end of the stick with education, and you see all this homelessness in these Democrat places. So either it's not working or they're not doing what they said they were doing. Wouldn't that be the case? Uh, I don't want to be placed on the spot and say something that might not or might be true, but you're absolutely right, uh, Mr. Bo. Uh, I think that there's an issue involving the the, uh, the money being spent uh, incorrectly, but there's no accountability. You can't ask where it's going, who is accountable for it. They, they provide, uh, for example, in city government, the Office of Emergency Management would provide you where the hurricane relief funds are going, but then there's other issues with money that no one knows where it's going or where it's been, and then you went investigated and you can't find it. So the, the the public is out left on the limb, not knowing where every single penny is going. And if you ask and keep asking, they'll tell you stories that oh, we're we're having a bureaucratic uh, shakedown, or there's a tie-up, or there's this other law that's in the way, or the judge said this, the judge said that. So, you know, you're not going to get a straight answer, and, and what can you do? Yeah, you can throw them out and get in people that are effective. But that's another story for another day. Uh, e. Frank, thank you for the call, man. Love you. Thank you for calling us. We appreciate you so much. Uh, James Golden, AK Snow, we're going to head to a break. We're coming back. More of your calls coming up. Don't go away. Birthday, July 1st, 1945, Deborah Harry, Blondie, Heart of Glass, Call Me, Tide is High. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Avery, do you still have a Walkman anywhere? A Walkman? Yeah, do you still have a Walkman anywhere? Put off of a cassette, James? Yeah. Uh, no, man. <laughs> okay, uh, Nick, have you ever do you ever you ever held a Walkman? I actually have. I'm kind of a, a nerd about audio gear and stuff, so I have held and operated a Walkman before. Do they even make tapes anymore? They do. They're yes. actually they're actually indie tape labels that a lot of small independent bands will put out their music on tapes exclusively just to keep tapes alive. It's well, actually pretty you, cool. Why would you do that if nobody has a tape player? You'd be surprised. people do have tape players. There's a small number of people. Not enough to matter. So you just guarantee you're not going to go platinum. <laughs> kind of, sort of. Oh, by the way, this song, Magic Carpet Ride, Steppenwolf, uh, Rushton Morvey, who was with the bassist. Ooh, bad dudes. Killed it, uh, on July 1st, 81 in a motorcycle accident in Santa Barbara. 
age 32. But he was the co-writer of this one, Magic Carpet Ride, by uh, Steppenwolf. Great song. Yeah, um, and then they, the, the, so, okay, you are old enough, I'm assuming, to have actually played CDs, right? So you know what a CD is. Yeah. Okay, do you have any, have you ever played vinyl records? I do, and I collect them. Yeah, I've played vinyl records before. You collect vinyl? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, yeah, I, yeah, I played them, I don't collect them. <laughs> okay. I do both. Well, today was the anniversary, by the way, of the Walkman. That's why I asked you. Uh, on July 1st, 1979, when you were still twinkles in the eye of somebody, uh, <laughs> Sony introduced the Walkman, the first portable audio cassette player. And I'm telling you, those things were popular. I can see that. They sold, Yeah, they sold over 385 million of the Walkmans, uh, in, whether they were in cassette, CD, mini-disc, and then finally the digital file version before they became obsolete. Yeah, Sony Walkmans. Okay, let's get back to the uh, telephones here. Uh, let us see. Eric in New Jersey. You're on WABC. How are you? How are you doing today, Bo? Can you hear me? I hear you fine, Eric. What's on your mind? Perfect, Bo. Turn off the radio in the back. It sounds like a bunch of aliens. Yeah, and, you no, know, the no, aliens no. are taking over. Let me turn you off. Yeah, yeah, turn it on speaker because the aliens. How's that, Bo? So, Mm -hmm. Bo, I have a quick question for you. I was just wondering if you agree with me that, first of all, politicians should have to take a test before they are actually put into office that basically said, you know, a test saying that they love America versus hate America. And just one other thing, I want to know if you agree with me that our government has been infected by outsiders who are making laws that are against American values? Um, so the answer to the first question is no, I don't believe there should be a litmus test. I think voters should vote and and the voters should draw that kind of information out. I think, look, I think that there are a number of people that you, and, and I think it's useful, by the way, when you see people like AOC, when you see people like um, uh, this other one, uh, Omar, Ilhan Omar, uh, Rashida Tlaib, and um, Cory Bush. I think it's helpful for us to see the people that are opposed to us. And I would li- not like to do litmus test them out of existence. I think it's helpful to see the other side of your argument. On the second issue, outsider. Go ahead. No, no, I mean, but you believe that like people like Ilhan Omar, who don't even come from our country, who hate our country, should be making laws in our country? The Constitution is what we follow in this country. And the Constitution says that she has every right to run for office. You can immigrate here and run for Congress. I don't find anything wrong with that. That's what the Constitution says. The Constitution says that you can't run for president unless you're a natural-born citizen of the country. Okay, that's fine. Um, I, I don't see anything. No, I don't see anything wrong with that. And I think that it, it. I think it serves us all to hear from the opposition. You could say all day long that someone hates America, but when they say it themselves in so many words, it's so much more effective to point to things that they have said, not you saying about them, but they said themselves. And I've never been scared of the opposition. This is a marketplace of ideas. We shouldn't be afraid of people that are 
that have different views than us. We should defeat them politically and not try to exclude people. I'm not for exclusion. Inclusion and defeat and defeat their ideas and defeat them. That's what I'm about. And now as for the second point, do we have outsiders? Heck yeah, we do. We have many globalist corporations that are involved in the lawmaking process here thanks to lobbying. We have companies that we have we have all sorts of forces that don't have the American people's best interest at heart that are involved in the mash. And you know, will that change anytime soon? I don't think so. I wish it would. And I think the more light that we can put on it, the more chance we have of making it change. So I agree with you on the second point. Do we have a lot of outsiders? Yes, we do. Is it detrimental to the country? Yes, it is. But again, many of these people are operating within the law, but there are some that are not. Let me ask you a question. Where do you think that uh, there was an estimate this week that the Biden family has collected almost $40 million from overseas interest? What do you suppose these people got for that $40 million, Eric? Well, I'm sure what they got certainly wasn't for American people. It wasn't for us. It was for the Bidens, whatever it is that they got. It wasn't something that was in, in the in the best interest of the American people. Whatever they I, got, it was mm-hmm. in the best of the Bidens. Right. And so, yes, are there outside forces? Yes, I agree with you. Yes, there are. And I think we need to start with the Bidens and work our way through the Democrat Party. And both parties, by the way. Not This is not just a Democrat issue. I appreciate the call. Clarence from Queens, you've been waiting a long time. Thank you for your patience. How are you, Clarence? Yes. Hi, James. How are you doing today? I want to say quickly that affirmative action was never about merit. It was a response to people being determined or discriminated against because of their skin color. That's what segregation was about. The merit argument, that was utilized when it first came into basis. And like your other caller was saying about how various races are um, superior or inferior, that's the same type of ideology that the people who are beating up on affirmative action are actually fostering and promoting. They aren't really trying to do it for equality. They aren't talking about, oh, merit. Who is setting up the criteria for merit? What are those standards? Because, you see, the reality of the situation, the college game is just a game. Anyone who does SAT preparation, anyone who studies a certain amount of hours can succeed. So the whole elitism is just totally erroneous. Okay, so I just want to make sure I understand your position. You support affirmative action. Is that what I'm getting from you? You do support it the way it was practiced. I think that affirmative action, as it was practiced, was correct as a remedy. I think that the Asians needed, all right, to file the suit that they did because they were being discriminated against. Okay, so let me ask you a question, a very basic question. Should the government discriminate against anybody on the basis of their race, their color, their sexual orientation, or anything like that? First and foremost, race is a false premise. 
All right, there's no, there's only one race, the human race. But if we're going to talk in those terms, then we have to look at the people who have been oppressed based on certain standards and then try to remedy any wrong. The ideal is if someone is wrong, they should be re- remediated. That's the whole point. We shouldn't be fostering a continuing wrong. Now, there will be people who would say, oh, well, because she did No, it has nothing to do with the quality. It has to do with... Numbers. Let's look at the numbers. How many more people of various colors have been able to have better standards of living since the um, affirmative action versus before? If we look at the comparison, people have actually progressed under the situ- under the system as opposed to regressed. Do so you I- think it's fair that somebody who has achieved more, as you said, there is a pathway of achievement. You study this number of hours, you achieve this on a test, you move to the next thing. Do you think that somebody who does not put in the same time, energy, and effort to advance themselves should be rewarded for not putting in the time, energy, and effort to advance themselves? That's a great question, which is why I have uh, Who Owns Your Mind? But they uh, has nothing to do with affirmative action. Affirmative action is about black people, brown people. Clarence, that has everything to do with affirmative action. Let me ask you a question, Clarence. Um, Are you going to let someone else tell you that you are not capable of achieving something in your life, or are you going to do what you need to do to achieve what you want? James, I'm an accomplished author, all right? Uh, Basically, I'm a business owner. No one tells you that you can't. However, you can have laws which are in place, and you can have cultural biases which act. I understand all that, but I'm I'm asking you to put that aside for the moment and just deal with me on this. Are is anyone else, by nature of a law, responsible for you being successful, or did you earn the success by the things that you did to prepare yourself for your success? It's a combination of the environment you're brought up with and how you are basically conditioned by your parents, your your teachers, uh, the material Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. you read, and the businesses in your neighborhood, uh, Mm -hmm. the church institution, the worship that you go to. All those Mm -hmm. contribute to the decisions that individuals make. Because what did you make the? But I'm asking about you, Clarence. Did you contribute to your success or was your success granted to you by a law? Did you do the work that enabled you to be successful? It was based on the laws given by God, all right? Uh Aha. What you put in is what you get out, and God is the multiplier. Okay, guess what? You just described merit. And that's what that's what merit is about. What you put in is what you get out. And nobody has to come up with this false premise that we're going to address something that happened before by giving you a position that you did not earn from your own merit. And I would say to you, Clarence, that your life, your success is an example as to why we don't need affirmative action. We don't need someone saying, because of your race, because of whatever, let's give you an extra push. 
you got the extra push, as you said, from your God-given law of what you put in as what you take out. Clarence, I love your call. I want to talk with you further. We're out of time right now. Thank you for the call so much. James Golden, A.K. Snurley, we're coming back. Luther, celebrating Luther today on the anniversary of his death. WABC Talk Radio 77, Saturday morning. It's our radio extravaganza here on WABC. Coming back, more of your calls. And Small Caffeinated Mom, coming up. Don't go away. On 77 WABC. July 1st, 1956. Birthday of Phil Solomon. Singer, songwriter for the Rembrandts. Wrote this one. Number three single. I'll be there for you. The theme from... Some TV show. Yeah, friends. I can't. I okay. I know many of you love Friends. I couldn't stand it. Couldn't watch it. Back when even when it was a hit, it was like I hate it, Friends. Yeah, it's like get this off of my TV. But anyway, I know. Yeah, yeah. Some of you, are, you know, big fans. Okay, back to the phones. Uh, let's see where we go. Let's go to Tommy in Brooklyn, New York. Tommy, thank you for waiting. Good morning, Bo. Um, I just believe that most people are, we, we have one race like the other gentleman just said, it's the human race. It took me a long time to realize this. I grew up in a, in a, in a very white neighborhood in, in the Rockways. And I also grew up in East New York, Brooklyn, as far as born. And I found that I was more, I had more of affinity to the people that were of color, but it's, they were my friends, you know, my first, my, my girlfriend was of color. She was Jamaican. And I just never understood where I came from. They were, you know, I was in a heavy metal rock band. I was a drummer. And uh, I couldn't tell people. I was listening to, you know, the, um, I was listening to DMC. I was listening to rap music. They were like, they'd be mortified. And, you know, but now I am my own man. I don't have to listen to other people. And when I hear it, I don't need that the vision that the list is spewing. At least this is how I see it. I see that the left media and the woke um, culture is trying to cause division in our country and bringing the people separated. The um, when you talk about merit, uh, I there are people out there. I, I went to a T-Mobile store. I, I couldn't figure out anything. They were everybody in there was either black or, or Spanish, right? They were phenomenal. You guys, they knew their stuff. The guys were going crazy. These are techies. These don't like. Um, uh, those geek squads. I was like, oh my god, these guys are super smart. And, and who they don't need merit. They proved it on their own. And they're the people I respect the most. Look at yourself. Look at Avery. I mean, he's my he, him and Curtis on my um, uh, unofficial anger management team. And uh, ha! I tell you, I love these it. guys. They, you know what? You listen to the intelligence of of just having what you have. You. I hear that, and I want that. 
It doesn't matter what color you are. Who cares? This is the thing, and I thank you so much, uh, Tommy. Look, this is the thing. All of us have gifts, and as soon as we stop with this business that the Democrat Party is involved in, the protected class, there's some people are better than others, and then you say, you hear the same thing from these other people, like this guy that called early with this business that some racial groups are just inherently smarter than others. Uh, nonsense. Uh, it, it is frightening the way that people want to be superior to other people. And the, the way it shows its ugliness is this. If you look at a homogeneous society, you would think, okay, those problems are not going to exist. But even in homogeneous societies, they do. Then they start with the caste system. Well, no, 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 you belong to the untouchables, or you belong to the Brahmin class, or you belong to the... If you look at the way that when Japanese was a feudalistic society, you look at the way that they set, that was set up by class structure. Even in a homogeneous society, there's an instinct, a base lower instinct, to define yourself as superior over other people. And it's all has always throughout history been garbage, and it is now. One creator, one race. Thank you for the call. William in Westchester, we got to get quickly because times are running out. We want to hear from America's small caffeinated mom. William, you're up next. Get right to your point, please. Last time a talk show host was really ticked off at a call of Rush when some Texan guy referred to the new mayor of New York as Gulliano, and Rush didn't like that. In any case, a friend of mine, teaching at a inner city, shall we say, uh, suburban school district in New York, not Mount Kisco, but another Mount, was the worst middle school math teacher in the district, so they transferred him to, of course, another school. But there, the adults were in charge, and his uh, test results, same student population, same overall population. His test results went from the worst to the best to the best because the adults were in charge there. And that says a lot You just said a lot, and a lot has to do with the level of leadership at these schools and also the parents, the adults being in charge, which, by the way, Democrats are fighting tooth and nail right now. Taking a break, James Golden, a.k.a. Snowy, come back. America's small caffeinated mom will join us. It's Saturday morning. The radio extravaganza flies on by. We're coming right back. Don't go away. Evelyn Champagne King, birthday today. Uh, This one went also number seven on the charts, but this is a classic. Let your love come down. This is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza now here's james golden aka bo snurdly on 77 wabc mj on wabc talk radio 77 from the hit album off the wall produced by q Close your eyes, let that rhythm get into you, don't try to fight it, there ain't nothing that you can do, relax your mind, lay back and groove with mine. Thank Full you. stop. Full stop. Thank you. Time for America's small, 
caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. As we rock. Yeah, we're getting Rhonda right now. I'm listening to Michael. Oh, this is just the first. Yeah, okay. Rod Temperton wrote this one. Again, 2009. I want to rock with you. Yes. Michael Jackson's uh, was number one on all the charts this time back in 19, uh, 2009, one week after his death. Hard to believe it's been that long. James Golden on WABC. Let's take a call really quickly. Let me know when we have Rondo, okay? Um, let's go to Isabel in Manhattan. Isabel, how are you? Welcome. Hi, James. A caller said that the Democrats help with housing. If that's true, then why are there thousands or even one person homeless on the street? Well, that's one of the questions that I was trying to get at with him. If the Democrats, if you look at every one of these cities, there was just a story in the L.A. Times um, either yesterday or the day that under Karen Bass now, $1.3 billion spent on housing and still homeless. So great question, and I think we all are asking that. Mm-hmm. America's small caffeinated mom as we head into the 4th of July weekend. Rhonda, we've got about, let's see, seven or eight minutes to spend with you here. How are you doing? Well, I'm bulletproof this morning, James. I had my bulletproof coffee, so I'm good to go. Do you know what that Excellent. is? Excellent. Well, I don't know what bulletproof coffee is. <laughs> Rocket fuel for the brain. So in a battle of wits, I'm fully armed. Let's go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the so, way, I was laughing about Avery. I think he's found his inner clogger with those gnats. I just had to tell you, that picture just made me laugh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Poor guy. Yes. The essay this week, James, uh, I wrote about that. Uh, Pride Parade in New York City recently where they were chanting, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. My gut level reaction, oh, hell no. Earlier this week, you, well, I mean it. Uh, This is not right versus left. This is good versus evil. And they're marching in the streets and they're telling us what they plan. You said uh, one day this week, uh, they don't care that we're mad. They pushed this stuff through anyway. And I thought, okay, they don't care that we're mad. So I'm done being intimidated by these people, by these militant people who are, are declaring that they're coming for my children. I'm done being intimidated by the bullies. So it was interesting. After that video came out, um, NBC News, I believe, had an article where they were starting to put the spin on that. Oh, he didn't mean that. Uh, that guy wasn't, he was just saying, go ahead, call me this. Why do I care? He was just trying to destigmatize this and claim his own power. You know, you can't blame the victims here, and that's what the right wing is doing. Uh, you know what? I'm going to reclaim my power here as a mother and as an American citizen. I'm going to re- reclaim my power. I. This is a strategy as old as time. You appear as an angel of light. You uh, use little subtle shifts to the truth. They start out subtle, but it's like um, a train that's going down a track, and an engineer flips the switch, and all of a sudden they divert slightly in another direction. 
before you know it, you're in Baltimore and you were meaning to be over in Billings. That's what the little subtle shift to truth will do. Then when people start noticing what has happened and they start crying it out in the streets, like warning, beware, then they come after you, they harass, they bully, they intimidate and all that. And when they can no longer control or manage you, the end result is they will imprison you or kill you. It has happened before. So the first step in reclaiming that power is, is refusing to be afraid anymore because fear paralyzes and then you're useless. Um, the second thing is we have to keep the reason in front of our eyes, and for millions of us, it is our love for our children, our grandchildren, and for this country. So because of love, James, we have to reject the fear. We have to stand firmly on truth, and it might cost us, but love must be greater than that fear. The third thing I thought about is we have to teach our children the truth. You know, Grant and I decided early on we were not going to seed the boys' religious training or their sex, sex education to the church and the school. They could partner with us, but the responsibility for teaching our sons the truth to the best of our ability, that fell on us. So when our oldest son was like eight or nine and he was starting to ask questions because another baby was coming and he wanted to know where do babies come from and how did they get in there and all that stuff, you know, I just swallowed hard and I just answered his questions to the best of my ability. And then I told him this, you're going to hear lots of stuff about this at school. It's not all going to be good. So knowing the truth is important because truth acts like a vaccine and it protects your mind. We wanted the boys to hear that stuff from us and not from their peers or, uh, you know, radicalized uh, educators. Uh, the other thing we have to do, and you're doing it, many people are doing it, we have to keep speaking the truth in the public square. And here's the thing. Fear is contagious, but so is bravery. And when I'm scrolling social media and there's a lot of loud, angry voices, but then somebody comes along with a voice of reason, a voice of calm, it encourages me and strengthens my own heart and resolve. Now, I want people to hear me very clearly here. Disagreement is not hatred. That is a particularly vile accusation that is used to silence any dissent. I have family members, I have friends who are in the LGBTQ community. I love them. Disagreeing with them does not mean in any wise that I love them. I can strongly oppose the ideas and beliefs that I, that I don't like, that I even strongly dislike, without having a shred of hatred in my heart for the people. As a Christian, that is my duty. I, I, I'm responsible. It's my love that constrains me. And you know what? I thought about it, James. If I'm going to re, as I, as I reclaim my power, I would like to reclaim my rainbow. It was, it was ours first. It belongs to mankind. It was God. Well, it was. You know, God put if that you know, in the If sky. you look at the biblical interpretation of the rainbow, we know what it means. It's the promise. Yes. It's the promise. It's a promise. Yes. It's not a symbol of anybody's sexuality. It's a sign. It's a promise from God love. to mankind. Yes. Right. Yes. And I, I'm just going to reclaim that and embrace it. And every time I see one of those anywhere, it's going to just point my thought to the truth. 
And in that truth, I still hold love in my heart for all of my fellow Americans. That's what's on my mind today. (laughs) Where can we find your essay, Rhonda? It's on thedailybs.com. And people can also find me uh, at rondashrock.com. That's my little coffee shop in cyberspace. As Nick said, I'm not just the small caffeinated mom. I'm the most caffeinated mom. (laughs) There you go. Rhonda, always a pleasure, my dear. I hope you have a great holiday weekend. And uh, next week, yeah, next week I think both of us will be on vacation, but we'll see you right after. Yes. Have a great time. And tell Mark Stein that we love him and anxious to hear him back on the show too <laughs> will do thank you so much thank you. james golden mm-hmm. aka snurley and with us that is america's small caffeinated mom let's take a call or two before we have to bid you a farewell uh, jim in brooklyn new york how are you man i am so honored to speak with you because you you hit it out of the park every time you're on you know i'm going to take you back in history you're going to rock and roll with this april 22nd 1968 i'm at the copacabana April 23rd, 1968, I'm in the U.S. Army. So before I went away, my uncle sends me to the Copa with a great lady, and I see the temptations. And David Ruffin, who you eulogized a couple of weeks ago, the anniversary of his passing, hit it out of the park, my all-time favorite leading singer. And in the movie, The Temptations, the fellow who played David Ruffin said, without me, this group isn't anything, and he was right. Because David Ruffin was the home run hitter of the Temptations. Let me tell you something. David Ruffin, to me, is one of the best voices of that era. His performance. Absolutely. If you listen to some of the performances that he did, they will never be equaled. Now, the Temptations had a successful career without Dennis, without David Ruffin. Dennis Edwards was himself an awesome singer, but he wasn't David Ruffin. There's only one David Ruffin. And the David, Ruffin, the David Ruffin, Eddie Kendricks duo within the group, when they went back and forth, if you listen to what Maurice and Philip did with Earth, and Fire, Earth, Wind, and Fire, it's the same kind of energy that David Ruffin had with Eddie Kendricks, the same kind of energy that Maurice White had with Philip Bailey. It's just oh, unbelievable. Man. Well, your knowledge you know, of music is unbelievable. Oh, my God. I, one of these nights, if we ever run across each other somewhere, we can compare notes because I, I was all about Motown growing up. And, and listening to them on Armed Forces Network gave me a little feeling of peace over in Vietnam. When I hear them on the radio, unbelievable. You are a bit of home. Oh, my goodness. Great way to end the show. Folks, I'm on vacation next week. I'm on, I will be leaving midweek. But Saturday, July 15th, I will return. It'll be, in fact, I get in at midnight. And I'll be here bright and early at 7 a.m. God willing, of course. And God willing, I'll be back Monday at 4 o'clock for Bo Snerly's Rush Hour. I have love and gratitude, tremendous, for you being here on Saturday with me for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Thank to this greatest crew in radio. And may God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. Peace, love, and we'll see you later. Bye.